Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Hello, everybody. We are back again with yet another super interesting talk. Surprise, surprise, with the artist group Matthias and Matthias. They had a show up a couple months ago at Overgellen, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have the chance to sit down and talk to them at the offices there. I would file this conversation under the uh, inside baseball types of talks we have here on the show. I always find them super interesting. It's, uh, it's good to hear from working artists what their experiences are in the art world, and that always kind of leads into a discussion about their work as well. We covered a lot of topics. I found them to be super interesting and engaged, and uh, I would definitely say they're a group you should keep an eye on. They have a lot of interesting projects in the pipeline, and uh, you know they're fucking gentlemen, which is also a nice thing to find out here in these mean streets. So with no further ado, please enjoy my talk with Matthias and Matthias. By the fact, yeah, as you mentioned, like by the fact that you net up get the financial support, then you can actually take the leap. But what people usually do is like just being, okay, I get this amount of money and I can actually just go to cafes and just having a great time. <laughs> just like I don't have to do anything. But yeah. there's a wake up call. Cafes are cheap in Berlin. <laughs> or maybe even in London there are a bit cheaper. Rent is not. But yeah, it's it's easy to take some money with you, especially if they're public funding. Mm-hmm. Which I did. I moved, right. to, I moved to Berlin to have a chance to open up a project space in Berlin and and have a with bit Danish more money. money. With Danish money. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it goes a long way, you could say. Uh, you know, the rents are cheaper there, the food is cheaper, etc. Exactly, yeah. But do you also do it because you see that there's more opportunity to do whatever it might it's, be you want to do? Yeah, outside of Copenhagen, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I think it's Copenhagen is... Uh, the art scene is interesting in many ways, but it's small and it's very national. It's very national-minded. Mm. Not that many outsiders in, in Denmark in general. Although it's getting better, I would say. It is getting better. I don't know how it was 15 years ago because I was 16, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but I'm sure it's better now. But but if you go to, say, I moved to Berlin. I'm not German. I moved to Berlin. I meet Canadians, New Zealand. All Western people, mostly, of right, course. Right, but right. still people from all over the world. And you don't... Because in the Danish art, in the art scene of Denmark, it's a lot less. There would be like a few Germans and yeah, but it's really American material. I, I spoke with a curator, and she is based in New York, and a Danish curator, and she said like it's really like mind troubling that we don't like hear about Danish artists. Yo, of course we have the like the the major the great ones. Right. Yeah. But but, but you don't have like the, the the like new upcoming artists. They they you don't really hear about them. And she was like um trying to detect uh what is this about? Is this because of the like the financial support and is it Yantalo? Yeah. Well, <laughs> is it Yantalo? Maybe that 
low behind her argument, but I, yeah, but yeah. It is interesting because if you take the size of Copenhagen, it's a city of, let's just say, a million people. Yeah. Lyon in France has a million people. Copenhagen is way more active culturally, even internationally, than other comparatively sized cities. But as a regional center, it doesn't represent that much. And that's, in fact, one of the things I'm trying to do with this program is to show what people are working on here and who's work, you know, think well, what's happening here. Cause there is actually a lot happening here. But saying a regional center, you think of Scandinavia. As yeah. That concept. But also, I mean, like, you know, as you point out, we're close to Berlin, but we're not compared to Berlin. Ever. Not at all. No. And that's, that's interesting. And that creates, you know, one of the good things is there's a lot of opportunity here because people aren't as active. If you go to a place like New, like Berlin or New York, there's a lot more competition. Mm-hmm. Right. Lot, everyone's coming from all over to try to do essentially what you're doing. Yeah, it's true. Here, it's a little bit more like, yeah, those motherfuckers who just want to, you know, move here and go on public support. You know, it's a lot. There's <laughs> a lot more space to work in and support options. You know, if you really are super engaged, then there is actually ways to try to finance things. Yeah, I guess like when you have Copenhagen, it, the city of Copenhagen really like is magnetism because of that. You can come from being an outsider and get into the art scene. Um, it's oh, mainly in Copenhagen, of course, in the Danish context, where you would be in Copenhagen, of course. But I've been like in LA, and if you want to be part of that uh, festivity, forget about it. Yeah. It's it's not the same. You could, you could actually mingle and get into to, um, in, the network in, in Copenhagen during just... A weekend, and then you can can have your connection. You can actually start off for just having one weekend in in Copenhagen. You have to be in LA for a long amount of time to just get recognized, right. like a face in the in right. the scene. Oh yeah, it's it's small, but if you go to a bar in LA. An artist bar, and you get really drunk. I'm sure they will know you the next week or two. But if that's that has something know, to do with how much you drink, you know. Yeah, so but when I but when I hear foreigners speak about Denmark, they always say it's really hard. It's really cl- it's really hard to get in. It's really close. To- it's mixed. I mean, because I've been here for 10 years, yeah. and look at me. I look Danish. I have a Danish name, and I am uh, you know I, I speak Danish, and you know. Fluid, but it's yeah. still, I didn't. I wasn't educated in Denmark. Uh, and so most of my network comes from production work, working mm-hmm. with artists to produce things. I have had basically zero luck in terms of institutional acceptance. Yeah, that's... There's been a little bit of support for this podcast. I've had a tiny little bit of support for my own work. But, you know, it. I, I didn't grow up through the system. And I think that's less a thing about Denmark being closed and more a thing about Denmark's like, there's a way to do things. This is the line. You go through this educational platform, then you're a you know, stamp of approval. You're an artist. Here we go. For you sure. know, and that, and that I think is more like the rigid kind of thinking that there is around it, which we, is loosening, but we're not a migrant country. I think that, that there's a lot still because Denmark was always Denmark, maybe parts of Sweden, some colonialism in the Caribbean, whatever, but still we don't have, we don't, we didn't have those big waves of migration in the 1800s as you did or even earlier in the Americas or, right. or like Germany, different countries um, being split up, being put together by this political reason or not. Denmark was always just well, this Denmark. If we're not counting Norway and Sweden, which is 
essentially the same, right? <laughs> so, so it's not like if you take Italy, there's a long way from Piemonte to Sicily. That's sure. not that far from, from Malmö to Copenhagen. No. Right. In in many ways. Yeah. So I think that's that has a lot of to do with that mentality of Danish people. Right, which means the system functions very well for pe- starting from the bottom up. Yeah. But it's a little hard to jump in in the middle. You have to do the work here. Yeah. Yeah. But what, I mean, you guys both were educated at the Art Academy here, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you guys met there? Yeah. Same year. Had studio just next to each other. How was that experience? Did you guys enjoy going to school there? Pretty great time. I would say yes and no. I don't <laughs> think like you, that's cool. I don't think you ever enjoy going to school. Few people do, <laughs> kind of but true. yeah, it's something you like. And maybe if you have anti-authoritarian ideas, not like in the in the hardest way but but if you have it like that and you have a difficult time with teachers it's it's hard to go to school and attend class and go to group crits and whatever mm. and it's really an open forum and they facilitate yeah, sure. you just from the day you start at the academy and that is like a liberty you don't find anywhere it was a lot freer than the school i went to for example in terms of how much time you simply have structure is wonderful it couldn't yeah. be better i think as it was, it's getting worse now. Or it's, well, it's at least in my opinion, constantly. Yeah. Cutbacks, the two percent cutbacks every year, and probably musical other cutbacks. But yeah, it was like, do what you want. Do you want to cast bronze? <laughs> right. Here's ten kilograms of bronze in a week to work on it. Right. right. So it's that's a big deal. It's pretty amazing, yeah. And it's all paid for. That's also it's worth all paid knowing. for. It's and you have your own studio, mm-hmm. and it's in a location in Copenhagen that is just like magnificent it's, right it's yeah, goddamn center of town yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a fucking castle <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's wild and I, I teach over there sometimes uh, some workshops and I um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how it works because sometimes I show up and there's just nobody there I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? Like, what is everybody doing? Hungover. But they're in the studio. Yeah, they're either hungover <laughs> or in the studio. Yeah, just back, working on their thing. Yeah, there's a back building. Or oh, having coffee in the studio. There's still 24-7 access. Yeah. I don't know if that's common at other academies. but that, I guess it is. Yeah, but that meant a lot. And also, like, different workflows. And that's right. a place to spend the night if you don't have a place. Like, <laughs> right. be <Hush>, homeless. <laughs> People did that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, uh, you know... It's 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 good if you are already driven, if you're self-motivated. Mm. And that's the thing about it. If you don't have that drive, it can be really a long uh, time to just spend with yourself and just trying to figure out what is this world about. Mm-hmm. You, it is like a process just to, uh, to get to the point where now I just have to start making things. Mm-hmm. That can be at hard, just a hard time to get there. Sure. And, um Everybody has their own way, uh, that path to, to get that that mm. that that point. But eventually, people just do it, and it, I, I think it's reflecting on each one. You see other just doing something, and then you get inspired by that. And that's probably good that you have that open studio form because then you are a bit pressured to just do something. Right, you see someone else kicking ass, and you're right. like, and I you, should be kicking I ass. I have to be on that same train. <laughs> yeah. But that only works for some some people because I've also seen talented artists just crash. Mm-hmm. Right. That's... Like mentally, yeah, physically, and the whole practice just going from being productive to do nothing yeah i mean okay i'm not i'm not comparing myself with talented artists but that's essentially what happened to me when i went to art school i was yeah. mega productive i got into art school and then just kind of went slowly down throughout the years and then after about 
took me about two or three years after I was left mm. to go up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was some sort of weird damage that came from being there. You know, it's also an age thing. I was young when I started, but yeah, I was I was twenty three when I started. But I, the exact same thing happened for me. Mm. Started the first year, did nothing, <laughs> drank a lot, made like theme parties and such yeah. you know, attended theme parties i didn't do <laughs> attended <laughs> theme parties yeah and and yeah just yeah just doing nothing because of the pressure and people overlooking your work and always being in process that's like the great yeah. excuse for art students they're always in process in group crits you will never see a finished work correct also because you don't have to actually um Defend it if it's not done. No, you can just you can be like, well, that's a, a good idea. I'll, I'll, I'll think, think about, about that. that. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. That is a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought of that last week. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's such a weird world. And I don't know, you know, I don't think I regret going to art school, but I do see that like if that had continued, it would have not been positive. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's almost like it, it, you have to like, get raped by art school and then eventually you kind of get going again it's not for everybody that's for sure it's like many have like ambitions to to get into the academy because it has some like a stamp of recognition but but it's not for everybody and network yeah network that is mainly the and facilities of course Mm -hmm. and you can actually get um like casting bronze whatever but it's mainly about getting to know other the 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 youth culture of making art that is what it's all about i also think that's very valuable because it's really really hard there's really few examples of great artists coming out from nothing working by themselves in a garage or at a desk at home especially now you know maybe a hundred years ago there was the whole thing about like a gallerist might find you in the attic and then buy everything but rarely it was something like say somebody like Marcel Brodeas who like did his first show at what was he 45 or something like pretty old yeah but he had been a poet within the the Brussels um, art societies for years so he knew what he was doing kind Mm. of so nothing comes from nothing especially doing art I think it's yeah, I mean, nothing I think, comes from within, only from within, at least. Absolutely, and I constantly feel like I'm just getting going. And it seems yeah. seems to be that that uh, people getting out uh, from the academy try to reproduce that same environment. They are getting into collective studio, um, and so it's so it's just like they tr- try to redevelop the same form, and it's. And when you have artidact uh, people that, that are not being in, uh, into uh, any academy, the way they have started is like being in a studio uh, collective. That's right. the in- only way you can you can actually get in and other people can judge your work. Because if you are in your own studio and like whatever, an outskirt, then Nothing of course it will not be... It would be an unseen phenomena. <laughs> That's what I tell young people whenever they are like, you know, no one wants to show my work or something. Like, you just have to join forces with some people. Get right? some friends. And do it, your fucking, do it yourself, man. Because, yeah. you know, if you wait around till someone gives you permission, chances are no one's ever going to give you permission. I mean, it happens every once in a while, but it's, uh, you know, don't, don't count on it. Now, gallerists also and museums, institutions always also want... 
recognized artists. They don't want somebody off the street, which might, especially for commercial galleries, may not be a success. Right. Pre-stamped. Pre-stamped, please. (laughs) Especially by collectors, but that's a different talk. But also for institutions, they need to know that you have like the right pull on the public or you have the right politics or whatever. Right. And you've been doing this. Yeah. So you know what you're doing and you know what they're going to get. So that's also why a lot of institutions like artists of, of whom they know what they will do. Like she or she is going to paint like these black gray paintings or do this kind of work. The ones they're known for. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's, you see a lot of that people doing what they always did. Mm. But the institutions also like artists that are liked by artists. Yeah. Because sure. if you were, if it's just uh, like a very, um, artificial way of, of boosting a person that is not within an art scene with other artists. It's, it's, it becomes quite clear to everybody. This is just fake. And it's so, so I guess it's really something to do that with the fact that it is an artist that has been developed and fabricated in the environment and not something that has just been brought in from outside. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, you know, that's the kind of thing where time will tell. Yeah. You right. Know, over, you know, cause there may be, there's a little, there's a little circle that has some, some pull at the moment and people are like, Oh, the shit's going down over here, you know, but then five years later, it went who down. Was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what about, I mean, so one good thing that happened in school was you guys met each other yes. and here we are. You guys that's are still the, working uh, together. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, it's about six years now. But what's the story? Like, how did that, what, and what, how did you get out of the, I'm the greatest art school mentality to work together? Uh, yeah, that's, that's hard to tell. I think we just, it held a bit that we had our studios just right across from each other. Mm. So we saw each other a lot. We were, there's, there's an age gap also, which is not great, but at that time it was, it's five years. Matthias was 18, 19. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you started early. Wow. Yeah. 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 I was 19 when I started. Yeah. yeah. And I started a bit like, yeah, a bit, maybe a bit later than average, but not much. Mm. So it was like, most people were like 21, 22, I would guess. Um, yeah. And then we just started talking about mutual interests. We started like being interested in something ornamental and decorative <laughs> as, as opposed to what was like ruling the ideas of, of usually what is usually the most common ideas in, in, in young art students is to start work with something like post-minimalism or conceptual work, like work which requires really little work because you don't put yourself that much on the line. So everybody starts with doing one and three tiers all over or do like a Blinky Palermo painting or something like that. I think we felt a bit opposed to it. And mm. being artist and minded like most artists, we wanted to provoke slightly. But in a subtle way, so we did this. <laughs> we did this insane show of there's this uh, space at at the academy called Q. Mm-hmm, right, the exact, Q, yeah, for, So we back when we applied for you apply, you go through an application process to make it more professional. Back when we applied, it was mo- mostly used by fifth or sixth year, like the two final years of your masters. But we were in our second year, and we convinced them right. to to that we should do a show there. How hard was that? Not hard. Uh, not hard. I, I think it's, but was, nobody was, did it before, so we were like, yeah. yeah, and it just as it usually is, 
you just have to ask. Yeah. And and we got in, and 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 that I guess it break with the form that it was not only for five and six years, but it could now be starting up being some some a, a, a space where you could also cross between uh, collaborations with uh, students just have just started at the academy and a, for example a, a five year uh, student. Because maybe you you would know that person, mm-hmm. uh, so so it's, then it started to loosen up, I guess. Yeah. Not that it was. It was us kind of sparked <laughs> it, I think. Yeah, but it changed. Also, at that time, they opened another space run by the academy, but that's a different story. But we did this installation of really brightly brightly painted walls in orange and dark blue, not that fashionable colors. Still not back in fashion those colors. And um, some stucco on the walls mm. of palm trees and festoons. So it was more like celebrating the idea of the dandy and the really superficial and uh, decorative and the slightly feminine art forms. I guess also it has to do with reflecting upon the the environment we we were in, uh, and also the, the 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 fact that we were just. Uh, just close to the the the, the royal theater and and all that environment with with uh, like very romantic uh, baroque um, uh, architecture and we somehow brought that in yeah to and, and have really worked a lot in that uh, branch of of working with decorative stuff and also having because it is we saw it as a, like kind of a um, uh, uh, kind of subversive way of approaching art because we we thought like of course it has to do with decorative stuff but of course that is it has also substance mm-hmm. within itself and it and, and we history, try to legitimize it yeah. it was uh, an idea of breaking with like a rational hegemony which was we felt at the academy at least um, yeah yeah, of, of kind, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it to me, uh, it's very engaged with our history, which I assume comes through your guys' education as well. You guys have spent a fair amount of time looking at what has been done before. I mean, even the idea of a dandy, yeah, that's right. an art historical concept at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think, but it's also a good way to work together because if you're two people collaborating, you can't really have it coming from within the one person so you can't have that godly connection so you have to speak about things and to speak of things you need reference points of reference mm. and if you're working in art so why not look into art history it's hugely interesting of course and it was a language we could speak together mm-hmm. so we started developing ideas with these yeah different different um, points in art history is that still the way you work and um, Less so. Now I would say we the last two shows we're working more with the idea of institutions, mm-hmm. um, now the legal system, and before that the art institution. Right, right now we we are writing a film at Aros Museum, also about the museum as an institution. Yeah. So yeah, now it's more like interesting in institutions, not institutional critique per se, but art about how institutions uh, reflect art and vice versa. About the relationship, essentially, between the maker and the product and the space. And also, yeah, uh, yeah and the guest. 
mm-hmm. and 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 the, the 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 space in between the producer and the receiver, uh, and the notion of of, of making something public. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of in a weird way ties back to art school. This the, the the fact that there is a relationship to the public, and there kind of has to be a relationship to the public, yeah. which is definitely a hate love relationship for a lot of people. But you know, you could just make art at home. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with people who did that. I saw people's parents who had gone to art school, decided this isn't the world for me, but drew constantly after work, mm-hmm. and they had just thrown in the towel. But if you want to engage with a greater world of art, it has to be public. Yeah, for sure. And but but that is the thing I, I thought a lot about when when we started at the academy that it was like a no go that you would be interested in the the, the public aspect of your art. Conce- but you know, like in terms of conceptual art and that idea that it's kind of worthless. If you're thinking about yeah. the public, yeah, it, you're selling it, out in some sort of it's way. Selling out, but now it seems to be the uh, the, the the most important aspect of the art. <laughs> and if you don't have like the public in your uh, at the back of your mind, then you are actually just an asshole making art. <laughs> so now it's has moved into the foreground of making art, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's a good idea because I think it's about. Uh, 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 putting something out there and then you get a feedback but uh, I, I, I think it has a lot to do when we started and making shows that was quite um, oh that is uh, uh, I would not say generous it's quite disgusting when a person say it, I made a generous piece of art but it, it was kind of expressive in its form something to look at and something yeah. to feel and something to it has a, a very yeah, think a, a about maybe right interface that people yeah. could recognize and it was not something that is just hidden away yeah. uh, and now we just uh, work with that uh, the, the public as a not a critique but more just active working with, with that aspect yeah. Although that's really hard because we still have it inside of us, the idea that um, that a public, um, that you shouldn't go towards the greatest saturation. Like it shouldn't be accessible to everybody. There is some sort of um, intellectual level that we try to go to mm. because we want to be part of a current arts discussion, which mm. is not a current aesthetics discussion in culture in general at all no, it's in true. the art world context but there's that balance you know how far away is it from your average art goer and how close is it and you know is it does it make sense to let's say for the government to invest millions and millions in art that only works for 1500 people in the country yeah. let's say you know and there's that weird dichotomy mm-hmm. i'll put it to you guys i came a little early to look at the show before you guys got here and two uh, elderly women walked through your show and they were just kind of looking at each other and were like hmm and then they left, you know, and I don't see that as bad, but you could see they couldn't, they could not find a point to engage. Right. You know? And that, that's, that's a weird thing that we have to run as artists. But yeah, I've heard these two elderly women came here because of a review, actually. So mm-hmm. they had a reason before going here and seeing our work. And Which means they also think about art. Right. Because that review works in the same system. Right. A really small, closed system of, yeah, 1,500 people, maybe a few yeah, thousand. Most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many not 
not active uh, actively working in art who reads reviews but they're like they're kind of more invisible to me but well even me i'm actively working around i don't read reviews you don't read reviews no, i do read i was just thinking the people who are not working in art and reading reviews right. they're like they're quite invisible for me at least or a lot of people like, i think so and like you know the other side of the argument is um shout out to kevin malcolm he said this to me uh that why should art always have to justify itself and dumb itself down mm -hmm. no one you know soccer gets millions and millions and millions of kroners in support from the state no one ever says soccer justify your existence no it's true what about homophobia among soccer fans yeah we need you to explain that you know like our world is constantly like well let me tell you why we exist you know it's constantly having to defend itself and the question you know after a while it's kind of like well why Yeah, I heard, I heard this great point. I think it was actually, I heard it through another radio show who told it through Angela Merkel that she made this speech about it. And that's really a German way of looking at things. I, I think I sense, but and actually we should not legitimize, we should not legitimize arts in any way. It's, it's the aim in itself. That's why we work. That's why we go to job, go to work every day. That's why we build highways that's why we do whatever it is to have art so it makes it the aim and not something to legitimize i like that a lot mm -hmm. and i think it's a good way of like flipping it like in a neo you know <clears throat> neoliberal society you tend to view like the why in art instead of just saying this is right as an aim if and it it's been it. here forever as long as humankind yeah and the that's difference what you with, between as taking sports that it has uh, is within culture uh, and it is like a cultural activity and there's being put so much money into it but they don't have that same uh, they don't have like the critique self critique as a building of 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 that uh, cultural um, activity whereas taking art for example that is in the backbone it is in within the dna of of art that you that you self reflect all the time and sometimes it gets to the point where you 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 slip the whole idea of what is this <laughs> all about me. what am i doing but but you have this like taking for example the we form we say usually uh, in football a we one right. is actually a, 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 a team of different <laughs> hard-working uh, uh, football players And they won, but we we take them as for granted that we won. And the fans even say we won. Yeah, yeah that's the fact. And but you don't have that in art. It was not like that was such a great show we did, and that was like you. We should it. do that. The audience yeah, should I, show I up and be like, should. "We did a good ass job here." Yeah. <laughs> that would only work at the Venice Biennial, right? You would right. need to have some kind of a dense identity, right. so it would be like national. It could also be like cities versus cities, but it would it would need to take some identification with. Well, we need a nationalism. Like I wear an Overdale in Jersey. And yeah, that's my team, and I'm going to go yell at people outside of SMK because those motherfuckers are not on my team. <laughs> okay, you know? That would be insane. It's <laughs> a good performance right there. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I find it very interesting, this kind of tension that constantly is inherent and justification that has to go into it. And most of us have to, at some point, just accept it in order to move on. Yeah. Because there is no answer, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's not going to help us become better artists, really. No, also, but yeah, in, in general, the society of, of Denmark, all in all, just don't like art, dislikes art, and it's, yeah, we just have to live with it. Right.
Again, living in Germany, you see that people actually care about art. Yeah. And theater. And theater, yeah. Yes, arts in, arts in, in the broadest yeah, sense, yeah. yeah. They have more opera houses in Germany and then the rest of the world combined. Mm. I think that's... Yeah, yeah that's, that's really saying, yeah. Yeah, we have one in Denmark, right? Yeah, so that's... Uh, we have two, but yeah. It's always really an opera house. An they opera have the... the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> opera? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an interesting thing that some societies are generally more supportive of, of arts. And in the US, we have a very, very big system of patronage of the arts by the wealthy. Mm which has its own issues. Yeah. But there is this idea that we uh, support arts for the greater good of all society. Mm. And it seems like here that idea is really like, well, that's the state's job. Yeah. Actually, I saw, saw something at ours where we currently in, in a residency, which, which surprised me. They have like a group, I think they're called like, a group of rich people who invest money, like patrons, as you would in America, mm. who are really taking a lot of pride representing all who's representing the museum, doing something and giving something back, which is not happening at SMK at all. Argos is getting a lot of public funding by like um, by local patriots. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, that's one of those weird things too, because all who is being the second largest city in Denmark has the little brother syndrome. Constantly being compared to Copenhagen, where Copenhagen's just kind of like, yeah, we're the shit. We know it. Like, we don't even have to get up this morning because we're the shit. Whereas all of us has to fight for it. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that kind of attitude because that also goes back to what we were talking about having support. Like, having to fight for it mm. can give an energy that, that we don't always see. Yeah, there's not a lot of that energy in Copenhagen, no. No, and that's a problem, actually. Things are a little too easy here. Yeah, I think we I think we're lacking like off spaces, like smaller spaces, more artist run spaces, more internationally minded spaces, I would mm. say. And more ambitious galleries also. Mm. But for that we need more ambitious collectors and Right, then you need the, the money support that goes into it. Yeah, so I think like to at least some extent private money is is alright and helps the art world. I guess the mix, right? Yeah. You need that mix because the state does support commercially impossible Mm-hmm. projects and that's a good thing mm-hmm. you know and all yeah, again this this exhibition space we're in right now is a very good example of a space that creates more or less shows which are for the art world which are for people right. who engage on this level right and right. that doesn't you know and that is essentially it's it's, it's totally supported either publicly or by f- uh, foundations mm-hmm. yeah. that's the support structure yeah and it's free to walk in the door you can, anyone can come see it yeah and that's that's great yeah, I think Marede, the director, would she disagree with it being only for the art world. But but yes. Well, I mean, I talked to her. She's actually been on the program, and she we talked a lot about what that is like, you yeah. know. And she said she's gotten a lot of freedom to not have to necessarily answer to the clicker of how many people walk through the door. Oh yeah, you know, because like SMK constantly has to be like, okay, we had eight thousand visitors last month. We had yeah. ten thousand visitors in order to justify. And Mareda has somehow managed to get it to a position where she doesn't necessarily have to say, yeah. look, we have more people coming this month than we did last month. No, that's wonderful. That's that's all they talk about at hours, just to... Yeah, and that's like, the issue. That's the, that's the, that's the numbering that, that goes along with state 
you know, I don't think I don't think the people, the rich people who support the MoMA in New York are like, wait, how many people came last month no. as opposed to to 13 months ago? But they get the name on a like a, a, right. a cover platter or right. like or they get to people. create an opioid crisis yeah. and then use all that profit <laughs> to get a wing named after them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's really no answer. This is all just kind of like weird things we have to deal with. But um, but I did also want to get back to to your guys's working relationship and 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 the way you work because now you guys don't even live in the same country. No, that's right. And uh, like at some point, you guys decided, okay, we made a show. We're going to keep working together. But what does it mean to you guys to to work together? Why why give up the autonomy? Uh, what 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 is stronger being together than being individuals? I think one thing which is like the most obvious is that you divide the burden into two mm -hmm. so you also have time to do something different than work on the exhibition mm -hmm. not not a week before you have to work like 12 hours a day but but in general it gives you more time on your hands to like pursue other things and other ideas and also it's like it's a lot nicer and more easy way to work you you, you don't have that many doubts as many doubts i would say mm -hmm. as working alone and it keeps you moving forward as we spoke about earlier, sitting the first year at the academy, the two first years at art school, just sitting in your studio, do nothing. I think right, getting twisted up in your own thoughts. Exactly, mm. and that's hard if you're two people and you have to like communicate right. and do something. Right, that's right. happened. I think that actually, yeah, that is a good point that that you you are forced to articulate your ideas. Mm. It comes naturally. It's not something that you are forced to do. It's because you like to say, "Hey, I just like read this." Piece and I just want to share it with you, and maybe you have a, a common interest in this. It's really a natural flow of, 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 of ideas that are circulating between us, and and actually, I guess that's mainly, of course, here in an organ, you have the product, you have the final product, but but I guess the the conversation is yeah ninety percent of 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 what. Matthias and Matthias is about. That's that's really sweet. <laughs> I never thought about that. But yeah, but, but, but the thing I like is that it forces you to work. It forces you to not get lazy. Right, and I guess also if one person's kicking ass, just like we were talking about earlier, the other person has to be like, oh shit, I got to step up, step it up here. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Right. It's, it's it's impossible to be. It's up to your own conscience, of course, but it's harder to be lazy. It's harder to get really drunk the night before. Right. And not it's manageable, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But usually when that happens, we do agree that. We should meet in an hour later. It's it's, it's not that big a negotiation. To say I got right. really drunk yesterday. Could, could we meet at noon instead of ten o'clock? It's, right. it's not that hard. Right, and I mean for me, I've I keep saying this, uh, but but I've noticed recently I have a huge problem with ideas bouncing around in my head to the point where I'm like, yeah, I got this. I'm done. It's a hundred percent finished. And then finally, after let's say three months, I open my mouth and explain it to someone, and within about four seconds, I realize this fucking half baked idea yeah. has no legs whatsoever. So it you sounds know? a bit like Bleh. yeah, and you're just like, wait, I didn't think this through at all. And it's not until yeah, yeah, you yeah. open your mouth and say it that you can actually like see some of the things you need to be thinking about. Yeah. And working in, in, in a collaboration, that is like test driving your ideas all the time. Yeah. So you, uh, so if you have half an idea, then Matthias gets the other half to it. And, and, right. and, and you can like test drive it all. And that's quite interesting. So you can also um, use that very actively that you, you 
can never put out a, a, a half idea because you know it would get a it just would make some kind of a reflection on that and mm. it becomes a whole thing mm-hmm. and it's a lovely way to get ideas to get a half idea actually sometimes just sitting and trying to force out an idea because that's another problem is like sometimes yeah i want to do a movie to make a film i want the cameras to be like a bit like yeah that's cool something like that right yeah. should look a bit like last one and then you're like Ah, what's the content? Right, <laughs> what's, what's, there's no content, and then the speaker materials, and he say like something, and you pick it up and you start writing in, in some different way, yeah. And all of a sudden, you build up an idea, so, right? You're trying to work. So with. you get something, some kind, some kind of foundation to build your own ideas upon mm-hmm. in collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does it work now? You guys live separately. Is there a lot of Skype meetings and uh, emails back and forth? Actually, not Skype. Texting. Yeah. Text messages. Uh, got mostly the EU for making that cheap again. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> sending um, pictures. Yeah, uh, yeah. It also depends if we don't have a, a show coming up, we we speak less, of course. Of course, dead and silence. Dead silence. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, yeah, you do have to. It's also important to give each other space, and sometimes, yeah, yeah. And then we get a show, and then we start skyping, and then we meet. Like living living in Berlin, I'm quite often in Copenhagen. Actually, of almost half the time right. in Copenhagen, unfortunately. But yes, I do spend a lot of time here. It takes time, and it's yeah. close, you know. And it's close, so yeah. So we get a lot of chances to have a drink and talk ideas through. What about the actual production? Because you guys, I mean, this exhibit that that you guys made now, there's a fair amount of physical objects, yeah. uh, a fair amount of production. Do you guys uh, rent studio space? Do you uh, hire someone else to make it? How do the ideas manifest themselves physically? Well, well, actually, a lot of work is made in my parents' garden. They live not too far out of Copenhagen, nice. so sometimes I go from Berlin and I stay with them for like a week or two and work in the garden. We did these big wood sculpt wooden sculptures in there, and they're carved with a chainsaw. I don't know if you have a good English word for sculptures like that, but they're kind of like human sized more or less and they're roughly cut roughly cut <laughs> I guess yeah uh, something like that is like quite hard to make in any studio so yeah. garden is wonderful to do that or like and the neighbors are like oh the, the, the crazy kid's home now he's chopping shit <laughs> yeah, up in the, the yard again <laughs> but the neighbors is my old boss from the Home Depot oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like and he's the old best fr- he's the best friend of my parents so it's no problem yeah right he just dusts off his car from the from the sawdust every morning. But you guys, so you are actually working with your hands and making this stuff too. Yeah, we are, and you have um, stains back to them. You know the workshops yeah. that, that we we have applied for several times, and uh, is also a very great way to meet up and produce physical stuff. Yeah, yeah the state has um, just for clarity for other people. The state has these workshops you can apply for use when you uh, have a show coming up, and they, it's a wood workshop or metal or photography or it's a whole bunch of stuff, and it's a wonderful space, amazing facility. So nice. And the workshop leaders are so good and so helpful. Yeah. So yeah, that's and it's not sponsored. <laughs> and that's nice too because you don't have to pay for a studio the whole year. You actually right. only when you need it. Yeah. Granted, you have to get it. You know, if you don't get it, you're kind of fucked. That's yeah, actually you, the way it would work. Yeah. That we are actually computer based artists that are thinking of 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 stuff and then. 
I guess then when a show is coming up, then we uh, we meet up and uh, make the things. But it's usually the way we work that is behind the computer. And a lot of the new stuff is also about making manuscripts sure. for a film. So that is the main part, uh, the, main, the, the main production uh, that is going on. Yeah, we don't work within the like older artist mythology of like having a, a big lump of clay or a rock and start carving or anything. We just, we get uh, an idea. Drinking a whiskey and drinking then going whiskey. at it. We, drink yeah, it. we get an idea and then we like pursue it and then it fucks up and then we find something right. like a, a middle road between those two things. Mm. Now, is the actual hands-on process important to you guys instead of, let's say, paying someone else to do it? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's really important to us. And it, of course, we, we have a lot of interest in material and, and also like kind of crafty uh, techniques and, and, and stuff. Take just like the stucco we have worked a lot with. It uh, was actually us, our interest in, in, in craft um so it has and we can put a lot of energy and and like thoughts into the materials and i guess like or the show at organ here is an example of of we have very uh, physical objects that are been taking very much care of in in the sense of artist artistry and mm. yeah wouldn't you say that we are I would say yes, physical objects are and the work of the hand is really important. It's not all and it's not the aim in itself, but also you would, I would at least, I know, go insane if I should only work at a computer all day doing work like that. Like I think start. the physical output and something which is, makes sense to see and experience in real life is, is, is really important. And it changes, like you kind of mentioned earlier. There's a problem somewhere, and you're yeah, like, ah, yeah. oh, shit, how do I solve this? Exactly, because if you send like a sketch to, say, blacksmith or somebody to do a work for you it would look exactly like the work you want but maybe a little different you know right. it's hard to explain but sometimes things come out as you want them but not looking as you would like it so like the craft process gives you the chance to like make smaller corrections and make it more as you like it yeah or as you want it yeah and it becomes part of the process yeah absolutely. yeah and the idea manifests itself when it becomes physical And that is where you actually see how good an idea uh, yeah, we have true. built up. That's <laughs> that's actually, true. Yeah. Like when you also have that, 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 that ping pong thing with I'm presenting a half an idea and Matthias brings the, the other half to it, then the, the, the third part is it like being materialized. And then actually then, then we can both see, okay, this, this, is, this is actually not, not that good. Or, I wish I could remember the last time where we looked at something <laughs> and we were both like, this is not working when was don't that? say all again right now <laughs> no no but i was like maybe we did something before that never mind but it happens and that's part it of it happens and that's, and that's so frustrating but also so <laughs> much fun to just look at something and be like but there's nothing worse than spending a nice. ton of money to get like a bronze cast made and then realizing like oh this right. looked great in my brain but in reality it doesn't working. fucking work yeah it saves a lot of money to do the work on your own yeah. and it's it's great fun and Makes you into more of a handyman. Yeah, you learn <laughs> something every time too. Yeah, you can. I can put up a shelf in my apartment now. You know, <laughs> yeah. like stuff like that. I know how to work electricity, kinda now after yeah. doing the show we did at Tran. Yeah. But I could put up a lamp now. You know, you learn something and you can take it with you. Mm. Less important things, but it still matter in some way. Mm. 
When you guys do writing and conceptualizing, do you do that together, or is there one person who kind of overtakes more of that? I think it is mutual, uh, and and of course, it's in the same sense that that, that one starts it up and then the other uh, elaborate on that idea. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's just sending text between each other. And yeah, so yeah. me or can start up, and when we do, for example, manuscripts of plays for a film, uh, then uh, if it's dialogue, actually, it just just. Paper. Like a mail, and then I send Matthias something, and then he puts another uh, like uh, two pages on that, and then it starts to build up, and then we of course also uh, correct each other yes. a lot. But it, that's how it's like develop. Yeah, sometimes when it's really good, you forgot you forget who did what. Right, because it really it starts gets, blending together, and it gets like an organic something, like mm-hmm. you're tossing to to one another, and yeah. at some point it takes form. Conceptualizing can be done differently because you also have different ideas being two individuals we have like a mutual ground of conceptualizing but not all aspects of the exhibition does necessarily mean the same to me as it does to Matthias mm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. so that that's that can be we can have like different angle or, or yeah different ways of looking at things as, as more or less important well in this case for example the show we are here uh, here talking about in one sense uh, is is about legal issues and art. Yeah. And how does that come together? Is it just kind of like someone has, you know, at some point one of you guys got interested in that and then the other person said, yeah, I can see this as something that unfolds. I think I can actually pinpoint that quite exact. Matthias was working with this uh, aesthetic injury phenomena, legal issue, and I, years ago, some years ago at least, and... Yeah, before doing the show at Organ, we were trying to conceptualize the exhibition. And then I stumbled upon this text about this artist named uh, James Stephen George Barks, um, who was um, charged with counterfeiting. And yeah. Um, and then we started to discussing like art and legal issues and conceptualize that and deconceptualize that and ended up with the show. Hmm. And then we had the idea we wanted to do a film. We talked about doing a film for a long time. We did some more or less bad film work film, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad film work is one of the things that happens. It happens a lot, but it's great. It's great <laughs> fun. It's, two years later, it can be really like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Not even like a year and a half later. But, but, but I mean, how does it happen? Because it seems like this exhibit is built around these videos. And yeah. then it kind yeah. of, you've, you've manifested um, furniture, objects, and also kind of just more ecstatic experiences off of um, the objects of a courtroom, for example, yeah. or a lawyer's office or something. And I walked in without reading anything. And I'm kind of like looking around like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. I don't really know what's going on here, etc. And then you start reading about it. You start understanding, okay, these are references to various environs, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et but, I mean, can you say anything about that? Like why that decision when you're talking about legality and art? Does that relate back to the aesthetics that you guys have been interested in? Is it the same as stucco, for example? Because I think that ties more up to our work with uh, institutions, like the legal institutions and art, as we did with the art institutions and art, on the other hand. Mm. So this is more like where where does art have a direct rela- uh, relation with um, the public or the society as as such? 
So that we found here in both with the box case, um, which kind of changed precedent of how to judge art, and with the static injury, which is more, a, a bit more. Um, what's that word? Let's say vague. It's it's not it's not vague as an expression, but it's it's it has a lot more. It's shifty. It's shifty. Yeah, it's a lot more shifty in the, if, when you think about it in terms of like visual arts and the right. art institution. Uh, art. But also pointing out where art actually and and judgment uh, is always happens in, on a regular daily basis, yeah. and uh, because you have the. Uh, judging is of course institutionalized within the legal system and but but also just in a daily basis we, we judge all the time and uh, and beside that you also have art that I guess we also try to point out that art is not only it is institutionalized in the same way that we have uh, art institutions and we have the practice of the artists but Art can also be something uh, that is seen in in, in everyday life, mm. uh, and sometimes it it, uh, it it collides with with the with the legal system. And I, I guess like that is what we try to to point out really here that mm. it goes both hand in hand, but also it collides and it it makes um, a confrontation with 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 the the institution of judgment. Mm. It, it's, it's starting to be. It can also be quite, um, I, I guess, uh, very philosophical. And we are not trying to be like it's starting to be Kantianic and like trying the the, the the aesthetic judgment. We are trying to to not go into that direction so much, but more like on a very more grounded level. Um, but it's with the interest of, of like an, uh, working with, with legality and art. It's also with an interest in what is the census communis. Coming to agreement, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you meet agreement? And that's what's, what's so interesting at that, in that box, box case. Is it was in every way, in any technical way, it was illegal. But the jury decided to... So it acquit him, mm -hmm. like totally acquit him of any kind of right. Unanimously, they yeah, said this guy's not a criminal because art in 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 the defense's um, way of describing art for the jury made so much sense, which is like also like, that is a paradox. Yeah, that's also almost <laughs> right because it's illegal, but he's not a criminal. Exactly, right. he's an artist, and and like speaking of yeah, it was being about conceptual art and ready-mades and whatever and somehow it made sense to like I think it was like 12 people 12 like random people out of different parts of society just met agreement about he's not a criminal he's an artist I think that's that was really interesting although the laws I'm sure did not change I'm sure they didn't say okay well you can make counterfeit money if it's for art oh, but if you, I'm sure it would change precedent for the next what do you call it precedent precedent yeah precedent for the next court case against an artist who was charged with counterfeiting right but again a different jury might say well he's an artist but that is the law that's true that's true you know and that you know and that, that, that it, it does create that paradox there is no there's no solid ground to stand on there Oh, that's true. But but it had like it had what fascinated me was it, it had like a direct uh, effect on society. It had something to do outside the art institution, actually. Right, and that goes back, I guess, to how 
art affects the world, the greater world. Exactly, which is always interesting and really, really hard to talk about. If you if you zoom out, it's impossible. You need to like take these small and micro uh, micro views of things. Mm. But I keep going back to these decisions in my mind that you guys are making with this, you know, essentially furniture. Yeah. Very rough, very kind of symbolic of, you know, no one would have a chair like the ones you guys have made in a courtroom, although that would be amazing. I think they should. But you guys should donate this to the Danish legal system. Actually. <laughs> it's interesting because there's so much art going into the legal system, like hanging, sure. painting. But if you try to sit in one of the, the chairs, it's like bringing back torture. <laughs> so it's like bringing back torture to the legal yeah, system. So sure. I don't think we would get sued. Like, that is, <laughs> they hurt so much. We're definitely not furniture architects, but yeah. But I mean, just to wrap it up, why, why did you guys keep coming back to this? The things we saw sit and write on why why is that connect to the legal and i i'm i don't mean that aggressively i'm just really curious like because that's that's the kind of the thing i took away from this in a way these the, physical objects and chairs well say not chairs per se they were like representing the jury of some kind mm. they're mobile they can be moved around exhibition they're like flexible in the within the, within the exhibition the other furnitures were actually um props from the film which we made where mm. the actual the actual um, I don't know what the word for that is but the judges that's mm -hmm. oh, the fuck uh, yeah, uh, um, is that called I wouldn't even know let's it. just say the place where the judge sits <laughs> I would say I would say the same thing in Danish and the, yeah. and the, and the place where the jury sits behind and the, the, the shorthand writer was that the called? bench it's called the bench please the approach bench. the bench alright so yeah sorry Go but ahead. that's actually the props made for the bench right and different benches which we just turned around and filled up with documents from the films and research and hmm. yeah also more crafted objects reflecting also on the idea of law hmm. as a final question i want to ask you guys about humor because you guys the more i get into it and the more i talk to you guys i realize there's kind of a subtle humor layer throughout everything and i found at least parts of the video you guys made quite funny Mm. the balloon popping yeah. people freaking out you know stuff like that to me really um, has a very shrewd level of humor it's not laugh out loud but you guys are a little bit like huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you know? I, I guess it's sometimes very good to have humor um, as a as a like a, a building block uh, working around topics that are very complex and at some times a bit boring and, and so humor can be like a tool to open up themes that are uh, hard uh, approaching and humor can not only be something like um, uh, it's not like a bullying tool mm. we're using it is actually more uh, approaching the 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 the, the topic and uh, so I guess like all through our uh, of our practice and all the shows we have done, humor is a, like a very um, yeah. So it is like a, a light motif. That, you guys that seem aware of it. Yeah, like, absolutely. You are thinking about it. Well, but I think about, think of humor is also a way like how do you meet people you don't know? Usually, you 
unless you're like in a really serious position, you would be kind of funny. I just say a little joke. It loosens yeah, up right. a little. Everyone relax. But you can still be, yeah, which makes more room for like a good serious discussion. As you, When you get to know each other, it opens up the relations between you and whoever you're meeting. And that's also how the artwork and the human artworks relate to the public. Yeah. I think at least attempting to do, mm. to make it like easier to take in. Because we all know these really serious exhibitions, like really stiff, stiff. Serious. A lot of art is very stiff and very yeah, and you don't feel and welcoming should not be like in like in that kind of ridiculous way in where everybody's welcome to draw on the works and party party, but more like just more like inviting people to actually look. Here's yeah, something for you to see. Here's something I really want. A we. The two of us working, we mm. really want to discuss. So it's yeah, it's opening up to people mm. if it makes sense. It does, yeah, and it has to do with empathy, I guess. Uh, humor is 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 just a, a, a attitude of empathy. And if you are now, we are working with yeah figures like box, and we are not really on his side but it's it's like we we are trying to discuss uh, what he is all about but humor can be a way for us to working with stuff that we are not uh, engaged in politically mm-hmm. so it not becomes something we agree upon but humor can be a way of yeah just uh, reflecting reflecting on 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 uh, stuff that are not um Oh, this is really hard to explain. I but guess you're saying not taking too firm a stance. You you can add, that's but that's saying not it's not not taking a stance, but it's more like you're not you're not that firm on one position. You're more like flexible. Which, Leave some space for interpretation. Yeah, which again, flex what art should be. Have room for interpretation while having or communicating something more general just but could switch between different positions within that mm. and humorism is also a, a space where uh, you can build in resonance with the the, the viewer mm-hmm. uh, and it is I, I then again you have that room of, of feedback so you you we often we often actually Uh, they put a lot of questions to us about humorism but I guess that is also just a way to approaching our audience actually yeah the humor is quite a popular question not that we get interviewed every day but in group crits and such people always ask about the humor and they're like oftentimes it's called like people thinking maybe we're a bit mean more more like asking why the irony or why are you so why are you keeping this in arm's length why are you like why are you using human that way? Why are you not sincere? I think many people felt at some point that's mm. not happening that much anymore. Well, it did actually with Adi. It, there was a lot of criticism about right. being too. Well, I feel like our you know humor is very difficult. I wish to have more humor in my work, but I haven't figured out how to do it. In honesty, it's get a, really really hard. Get a collaborator. True. Yeah, I mean, because you have to take yourself seriously, but not too seriously. And like you say, it disarms people. It's a great way to reach in to people in a sense. But then, of course, there are the people who are serious all the time who are like, hey, why aren't you as serious as I am? Yeah, that's true. But actually, the thing was something we often say when we like each other's ideas is actually I noticed is like this is funny. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So that's also working with other people. I noticed that if you if you if you propose an idea and to say yeah, that's kind of funny. And not burst out laughing, but say, yeah, that's kind of funny. And that's basically the same as saying that's pretty interesting. Yeah. 
Exactly. You know, yeah. It makes me think. Right. It makes me think. And it makes me enjoy myself in some way. That's a great place to leave it. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. You've been very generous with your time. We've been here for over an hour. Thanks well, so you're much. welcome. So, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. And that was that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by RC. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people. I'm not kidding. This is episode 118. There are a lot of conversations on there. That's on our courtroom of a website, culturalbandwidth.com. You can also check out the other show we have going over there. It's called, by the way, it's an art news podcast. Check it out. If you do like this show, we would appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help others find us. Thank you so much for joining us. 